Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Why should we here in the warm, sunny areas of the United States have all the fun growing citrus? If you have a snowblower, you can also be growing citrus trees such as lemons, limes, and a lot more indoors. We talk with the man who literally wrote the book on citrus, Lance Walheim, and he'll tell you how to successfully grow citrus inside your house during the winter. I know you've heard me yammer on about the benefits of using leaves as a mulch in your garden, but have you heard about garden tools that can pick up leaves, mulch them, and bag them all at one time? And all you have to do is empty it onto your garden bed. We'll find out about how easy it is to use a combination leaf blower vacuum, mulcher, and bagger, and that's going to free up a lot of your time. It's episode 54 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you by Smart Pots, and we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. of you are jealous because here in California, if you live in Arizona, Texas, or Florida, you get to grow citrus in your backyard. For the rest of the nation, though, that would be a challenge, a challenge to the point where maybe you bring it indoors for the winter. Maybe you just have a really nice greenhouse to grow citrus. You can grow citrus indoors. We're talking with Lance Walheim. Lance has written several books about citrus, one from Ironwood Press called Citrus, The Complete Guide to Selecting and Growing More Than 100 Varieties, and a book published by HP called Citrus, How to Select, Grow, and Enjoy. He's also one of the contributing editors to the Sunset Western Garden book that has a very good citrus section as well. And Lance, let's uh, talk about some growing citrus indoors basics. I imagine it would start with choosing the right varieties. That's very true. And to be honest with you, citrus can be a challenge to grow in cold climates. On the other hand, I have met many people who have been growing things like Meyer lemons and kumquats in back east in very cold climates for 30, 40 years. So people can be successful about it. But you're right. First step, make sure you choose the right variety. And then there's a number of things. You're really going to have a hard time to sweeten up any sweet varieties like a navel orange, although people try it, but in those conditions, it's going to be difficult. So first off, I think you need to try with acid fruit. One of the best ones is the Meyer lemon. It's a very precocious tree that loves to bloom, doesn't need a lot of heat to ripen, so, and it's a small tree, so it can it grows perfectly well in a container. All the kumquat hybrids and the kumquats are perfect also. Uh, they have smaller fruit that ripens quicker, and again, they have a propensity to rebloom often. Also, limes, bear's lime is a good one. Um, Calamondin, which is a kumquat hybrid. I, you know, if people want to really take a look at what they their, their possibilities, uh, I really recommend they go to the Four Winds website uh, because Four Winds Growers, which is a citrus grower, and they offer they ship citrus all over the United States, um, and specifically for indoor growers. So they have a lot of choice there. There's some other oddball stuff that people might want to try. 
fourwindsgrowers.com is that website. And uh, what, what about the option of uh, letting your citrus trees enjoy the warmer months outdoors and bringing them indoors for the winter? Is, is that viable? It certainly is. And the key thing is that you provide a transition zone. The best place to have a citrus indoors, just like you said, is a cool greenhouse where you can provide all the sunlight and high humidity that a tree needs. But think about it. And when you're moving a citrus tree from indoors to outside in the spring or even harsher from the outside to the indoor conditions, you're really changing things for that tree. The humidity levels outside could be over 50, 60%. You take it inside where the house is heated, you're you're dropping maybe down to 10% humidity. So those are dramatic changes and they're going to affect the tree and the same is true of the light conditions. So what I really recommend whether you're going inside or outside, is you provide a transition period. And that means you take your trees, if you're taking them outside, and you put them outside in a shady condition after the frost, when the weather warms up a little bit, and, and give them a shady condition several hours a day and then move them back. Move them to more light gradually. It may take us several weeks. And also when you go back inside, do it over a slow period. Move your trees under some trees so that they get less light. Uh, And then when you do move them inside, make sure that you do anything to give them the right conditions. You certainly don't want them next to a heater vent. You want to do whatever you can to control humidity, which means maybe place them on a tray with some rocks over it where you can add water to the base and increase the humidity around the tree. They're not going to allow the light excuse me, they're not going to like a lot of uh, heat. Give them as much light as you possibly can. But what's going to happen probably anyway, especially with a Meyer lemon or something like that, you're going to bring them indoors and they're going to drop their leaves. After that, the next thing that might happen is that they're going to bloom. The stress of all that is going to make them bloom. So you're going to get some flowers. They probably won't set fruit indoors, but you will start getting some new growth, making sure that you are doing a good job to maintain the water in the pot, not overwatering, not underwatering. And then they'll start to grow again. And then you'll be faced to move them outside again. And then hopefully in the spring, they'll bloom and you'll be able to ripen that fruit as best as you can until the weather gets cold again. But it's you know, to get actually usable fruit, it's it's not easy. It's going to take some hits and misses of where you place the trees. But people do it. People get have results. And a lot of people just are happy with the fragrant flowers on the citrus tree. And it's a conversation point. I mean, it's a fun tree to grow, but it's not easy. And again, probably uh, if you're just starting off in the world of growing citrus indoors, uh, maybe start with uh, something that can take the indoors a little bit better, like the Meyer lemon or the bear's lime. Right. Or a calamondin or a kumquat. Those are all good choices. And it's the size of the tree, too. Those are small, compact trees. I have seen people try to grow lemons, regular lemons, which are probably the most vigorous citrus, and even grapefruits indoors, and have had pretty good luck, but I doubt they're they're getting much edible fruit. And of course, uh, citrus can be maintained at whatever height you want, which I think uh, one great alternative solution, as I was, as we talked about, is a greenhouse. But I, you, you mentioned a cool greenhouse. What is the temperature range, the ideal temperature range in a greenhouse to grow citrus? Well, you obviously wouldn't want it to go below freezing, but I think if you could keep it around 40 degrees, 40 to 50 degrees, you'd probably be in pretty good shape. 
cooler just increases the humidity and that's the natural cycle that we go through in the uh, with citrus trees they really like that cool winter that improves the quality of the fruit and it it helps the fruit the growth slow down um, you get it warm you get it dry and you're going to have issues and you also have to watch out for insect pests because you want to make sure that you use something like an insecticidal soap or something like that before you bring the trees in to make sure that you've brought anything that's on them under control and then keep a close eye for on them once you get them inside because things like mites can develop in the in the hot dry weather so keep an eye on that and uh, make sure you control it as soon as you possibly can I would think that in order to maintain a good humidity level in a greenhouse situation for citrus perhaps uh, having a swamp cooler uh, installed could help yeah, that certainly could. And, and in most cases, you know, greenhouses tend to be on the more humid side. A lot, I've seen a lot of people have success in sunrooms where they have, as long as they can keep the temperature down, you can keep that light bright. But you usually will still go through a cycle of some leaf drop when the trees are brought inside. You want to fertilize, but you want to do it lightly. And you definitely do not want to overwater. Hmm, that's interesting that if you have citrus indoors, it's OK to fertilize it when it's indoors. I thought maybe you just fertilize it uh, when it's outdoors. Well, I would continue to fertilize it lightly, maybe at half strength, because you it's going to be going through some growth cycles and you want to make sure that those new the nutrition is there. I would make sure I used a good citrus fruit that or a fertilizer that had the micronutrients in it, zinc, iron, and manganese. But you are hoping that that tree is going to grow when it's inside, unless you're totally shutting it down in a cold greenhouse. But uh, I, I would fertilize lightly. Well, and what about a soil mix for citrus in containers? I, I know that uh, citrus are, they, they lean to being an, an acid loving plant. So I would think that uh, using some sort of rhododendron, camellia, azalea soil mix as part of that soil mix would be a good idea. That, that's true. Um, they do prefer to be on the slightly acid side, but they are widely adapted to soil types. I think that most potting soils, quality potting soils are probably going to be okay. Uh, it's more important that we make sure we get those fertilizer nutrients, so those micronutrients in it. But the only thing I'd be worried is maybe if an azalea camellia food would be a little too acid, mm. uh, but you could do a 50-50 mix and that, that would be perfect. All right. And watering. Watering is, is critical to uh, a long life for a plant and, and not just keeping the soil media moist. It needs to be a well-drained uh, mixture as well, which means that you have to be very careful to note that there is drainage going on and to do something with that excess water. That's exactly right. Uh, that's another problem. That's a good point. You're bringing in a large plant, possibly, or even a larger house plant, and you're going to have to have trays or something underneath it to ca catch the excess water that drains out. When you do water, you want to want to make sure that you water thoroughly so the whole root ball gets wet, but you don't want that water sitting around in the in the basin. So whatever you can do to drain it out or put something in there to keep the, the soil out of the the water constantly. That's the quickest way to kill a citrus tree is have the bottom of that container soaking wet. You're just not going to get the drainage. They need air for the roots. I would imagine that citrus uh, will grow faster and probably have more leaves when there's more higher light levels. So is supplemental lighting effective in a situation in a room that maybe only gets uh, sun through a window five or six hours a day? 
Absolutely. Any type of supplemental light that you can use. I know a lot of people that, that use uh, supplemental lighting and get very good results. Uh, so yeah, check around for the type of lights that you can get. And especially if you're going to be growing your citrus trees in an area where you're not getting enough light um, and they're a little out of the way, you have a lot of options of things that you can you can set up around the trees. Any more light's going to be a good thing. All right. And there's all sorts of great light options these days with the newer, less expensive uh, LED fixtures. Right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, pollination. Uh, most people I know don't let bees fly around their house indoors. So how do you keep a, a, a flower happy on a citrus tree if it's indoors? Yeah, that we've learned a lot about citrus pollination over the last few years, and most citrus is self-fruitful. Uh, we used to think that you had to, that bees were doing the pollination, but in truth, a lot most citrus is wind pollinated if it, if it needs it. Uh, the perfect example is how if you've ever been to California's citrus country in the spring when the trees are in bloom, they cover the clementine mandarins with netting to keep the bees away. Bees do spread pollen, but it's not often necessary to set fruit. It's more necessary. What I mean, the downside is, is if, if you get pollen from a different variety, you get seedy fruit. That's why the clementines are covered. But most citrus is just self-pollinated or wind-pollinated. A lot of times you can just shake the tree may help if it's necessary. But if you're having a problem getting fruit set, a lot of people like to try the, the pollination with a just a little hand brush and move the pollen around, see if that affects things. But my guess is that if you're dropping a lot of flowers, it has more to do with the environment the tree's growing with it than a, a lack of pollination. Yeah, and I would think, too, that you mentioned wind movement because they are self-pollinating. So people may think, OK, I'll just put a fan next to it and run that for a while. But that would lower the humidity level. Yeah, and you probably blow the pollen into the next room. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure that. I, I just, you know, give the tree a little shake. I mean, obviously, there's no wind in a, in most houses. and um, So that should help. And if you, you really want to play with it, it's kind of fun to go out there with a, a light brush and move the pollen around just to see what happens. But in most cases, it's not necessary. Is leaf burn an issue? Leaf burn can be an issue, especially if you go into a, and we are going into a dramatically drier area. Uh, and if you are not, if you've allowed salts to build up in the tree, you bring it inside to lack humidity, that's going to, can cause leaf burn and eventually leaf drop. I recommend that if, before you bring the trees in inside, you know, do a preventative insect control spray of some kind, whether it's insecticidal soap or neem oil, whatever you're going to do. But also make sure you water the tree really well before you bring it inside. Let it sit out there and drain for a couple of days and leach any salts that are in the soil out. Uh, that's a good practice with any house plant that you bring outside and then eventually bring indoors. And watch the weather because it could get a cold spell on there. Don't get caught with your tree outside before it gets too cold. Or if you live late spring frost, watch out for that. Get them inside if you have to. I would think, too, a clean citrus tree is a happy citrus tree. So uh, washing off the leaves, uh, both the top side and the bottom side of the leaves before you bring it in the house might be a good idea. That's a perfect idea. Plus, you could use a foliar fertilizer, but also when you bring it outside in the spring, imagine there's going to be a lot of dust accumulated on the leaves. So when you bring it out, hose it down really good. That's a great idea. All right. Lance Walheim, citrus grower in Central California and garden author, author of uh, several great books about citrus. Uh, you may have to buy them used. They're out of print, but they're available. One is called Citrus, The Complete Guide to Selecting and Growing More Than 100 Varieties. 
published by Ironwood Press. And then there's Citrus, How to Select, Grow, and Enjoy, published by HP Books. And, of course, a good citrus uh, explanation and uh, instructions also in the Sunset Western Garden book. And uh, I believe that one is still available, Lance. It sure is. Better be. Lance Wilhelm, garden expert, garden author, citrus grower. Good talking with you. Thanks, Fred. Good talking to you. We're glad to have Smart Pots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. Smart Pots are the original award winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple it has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And Smart Pots clicks all those boxes. They're durable, they're reusable. Smart Pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next Smart Pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. We're talking with Brad Gay from JB's Power Equipment in Davis. And if you're a gardener, every fall, if you have leaves or if your neighbors have trees with leaves, those leaves make an excellent mulch. They can improve your garden soil. And it's pretty easy to improve your soil if you don't have a winter garden. When those leaves fall in October, November, December... You grind them up, you put them on your garden bed, stack it up as tall as you want, 4 inches, 8 inches, 12 inches, and then the following spring, you've got improved soil. No question about it. The the problem is, all right, how do you gather up those leaves? How do you grind them up? Now, in the past, what I've done is my neighbor loves me with a 60-foot pin oak tree, but I want those leaves. So I'll go over there, rake her leaves put them in a metal 30-gallon trash can, stick my string trimmer down into that uh, metal trash can, and sort of whip it around and grind up those leaves. It does a f- okay job, but not really a great job of making all those leaves smaller. There's something on the market that if you want to do that too, it makes it a heck of a lot easier. We're talking with Brad Gay from JB's Power Equipment in Davis. And Brad, I like the idea of having a, a tool that sucks up the leaves and grinds them, and then I can just dump it onto the garden bed. That sounds uh, pretty darn easy. What are those instruments of destruction? <laughs> well, no, it's, a, it's a great tool. It's a, it's a conversion of your handheld blower is what it amounts to. And they've gone in and adapted the front of the, front of the blower that uh, brings in the air for the blower to blow out the pipe to blow your leaves. Well, they put a tube on that. So now it becomes a vacuum and the blower exit, which you would be blowing, has a curved tube to it that attaches a bag. Before you put that tube on, you'll look on the inside of that blower. There are little sh- metal shredder, something you wouldn't want to touch if it's wrong. <laughs> Thank you. That way. It, it yeah. Is a, it is, yeah, and you can't, you can't run it with that tube off. So it's, that's a very strong safety feature, but the it's a metal it's a metal like a like be like a mower blade, but a real small version of it. That's a shredder. So now you can go in and 
suck up all the leaves in these areas, and it goes, hits that shredder device and puts it in your bag. And it's a 12 to 1 ratio reduction. So in areas like under shrubs that you've got that you can't get to as easily, or let's say you're around a pool and you're in corners where leaves have, have collected, and in my case, I have sycamore leaves. Well, sycamore leaves are good four inches across and more. So now you got to reduce that to be able to use it. So by using this, by sucking the debris up and going through that shredder, it reduces that down. And most of the pieces are about uh, less than the size of a dime. And it's just pretty good considering how big that leaf was when you got it there. Yeah, that's, that's great. Also, I've been very satisfied with it. You save, save two steps. You just take it out and dump it. You can use it right then as mulch. You don't have to go shred it up. I live in a house that has two huge sycamore trees. And before I had a chipper shredder or I had a back and sack or a shredder back, I had the, I had tarps that I would haul to my backyard and put them on my garden. And it would be, I'd have piles back there. Well, it reduced really well, but sycamore leaves a pretty good sized leaf. So in the spring, I'd get out there, get ready to do it. And I'd still be part of the pile there. And there's uh, at the bottom of the pile, there's still some of those leaves in, in their original configuration. Wow, since I've started doing the chipping and the shredding and reducing that and then putting it out in the garden, no, it's done. It's mulch. It's ready to use right then. If I was going to rototill, I'd rototill it right in. And there's no big piles anymore. So, but that vacuum sack, I tell you, Fred, that's a that's a great tool to have. Yeah, I noticed on your website, uh, jbspower.com, that the Echo people have one uh, called a Shredden Vac. And actually, it's three units in one because it's a blower, like a typical leaf blower. It's a vacuum and it's a shredder mulcher. Yeah, it is. That's the whole thing. And it's, it's got a nice bag on it so that when. And the bag, it's got a strap that goes over your shoulder. So it's like you're carrying your, it has a rear handle to it. So you can, you know, usually you have an upper handle on a blower, a handheld blower. Well, this actually has a rear handle that you can hold it and the upper handle. So you got two hands on there. And then you have a strap that's on the bag that you put over. It'd be like a backpack kind of uh, as a, you sling it over your back. So then you power the leaves into that bag. Well, when that bag starts getting heavy, it's usually that's about time for you to go dump it. So, and it's a, I'm going to say it's just about a 30 gallon, you know, like plastic bag container. Not, not quite that, but it, it's the, uh, it's a, it's a good amount that you can pick up and get rid of all that debris in, in a timely fashion. So you can go do other things in your garden. Now, we're talking here about the Echo Shredenvac, but I imagine there's other manufacturers with very similar items. Yes. Yeah, there is. I still has one. There's the same idea. We also sell that. It is uh, it's competitively priced. The same thing. There's no difference. They're, they they everybody's producing something like that. But, but this both of these companies are top of the line, and and they're they're run by people that if you do have a problem with this piece of equipment, you've got some place to go to where which is a good thing to fall back on. That's why I'm in business. Buy the best. And cry only once. <laughs> you spend a little bit, you know, you, you spend a little bit more, but you just don't have the problem. The echo unit we're talking about, and I imagine the still unit as well, they're both two stroke gas engines, correct? That's correct. Wear a dust mask when you're doing this, too. Yeah, we got plenty of masks these days. 
Well, yeah, everybody has access to those for some reason. <laughs> yes. All right. Garden mulch, I've preached it for years. It's the, one of the best things to add to your garden, and you don't have to till it in. You can just lay it on top. You can plant around it. Garden mulch has numerous benefits. It uh, blocks weed seeds from sunlight so they don't germinate. It promotes better water retention. It provides needed nutrients as it decomposes. It moderates soil temperatures as well. Mulch is wonderful. Why not? make it yourself from the things that are around you that are falling be it tree branches or leaves uh, i think a shred and vac is uh, the way to go for just about every gardener i've been using it for about three years now but you know what i'm so glad that i got that i've got i've got a number of friends that have uh, similar landscapes and they have it and they use them uh, quite a bit themselves too and it's really a nice handy tool there you go and, and if you need a blower you've got a blower too so if you want to just Blow things around, get it into a pile, and then put the bag on there and the other hose, and now you can shred everything up out of your pile. So it's a it's a two in one, three in one device. Well, I thank you, and my next door neighbor with the sixty foot tall pin oak tree thanks you as well with, <laughs> with, with this information about the shredding vac. It, 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 like I say, if you're going to have one garden tool that uh, might set you back a couple hundred bucks, uh, this would be the one to have to uh, make your own mulch and improve your soil. We've been talking with Brad Gay from JB's Power Equipment in Davis, California. Brad, thanks so much. Fred, it's always a pleasure talking to you. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. We have links to all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, a link to the FarmerFred.com website. That's where you can find out more information about the radio shows. You remember radio, right? Now, if the place where you access the podcast doesn't have that information, you can find it all at our home podcaster, Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout Buzzsprout.com. Just look for the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's available just about anywhere podcasts are handed out. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, hey Alexa, play the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, would you please? Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.